welcome to Gather Round with Rebecca Spooner. Today's session, which I prayed about this morning, is a little out of left field, so we're just going to go with it. It is called No Condemnation, and it is based off of Romans 8, 1, which was my devotions this morning, and hopefully um, it's going to bless somebody else, so grab yourself some coffee and let's get started. Okay, so obviously this is going to be a little bit heavier of a session. It's not going to be your typical, let's talk about parenting and the joys and frustrations and all of those things, which I do look forward to talking about in future episodes. But um, I do feel like there is something to be said, especially in our culture today, with the concept of condemnation. I feel like a big part of my ministry, my calling, my voice that God has given me to speak and um, and to spe- specifically, I guess, speak against or towards is our culture's intense and unhealthy um, tendency to live in the absolute extremes and honestly to live in, th- in the law of absolutes. When, when we go all the way back to the story of Adam and Eve, when we go all the way back to the story of the garden and Adam and Eve were told, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You can eat from the tree of life. You can, you can eat from any tree, but not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I, I really, I, I've learned so much more about this in the, in the years and, and through my study of scripture and through conversations with other people about really understanding what the law represents and then what Jesus came to bring and the freedom that he came to bring and the spirit that he came um, to bring and to give us the Holy Spirit and, and recognizing how that all fits together in the grand story of the true gospel that Jesus came to give us and to bring us. And the more that I study that, I realize that we live in this culture of extremes. We live in this culture of, um, we, we are so certain that we are right because we are still ultimately bound by the perspective of law. We're still ultimately bound by this, 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 inner knowledge that there is this one, you know, theology, this one point, this one perspective, this one I mean, you want to get specific, this one Bible version, this one, it doesn't matter what you're talking about, denomination. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on, but we are so determined that this one thing is correct and everything else is wrong that we take it to these levels that is so incredibly damaging to the church. It is so incredibly damaging to people. I have felt the effects of this in my life and I am assuming and and hypothesizing that some of you have also felt the effects of this judgment and condemnation that has come from maybe, maybe a good place, but, but it's wrong. It's wrong. And, and this is what I want to speak about today. So I believe that part of my message is talking about balance and is talking about how can we walk as Christians, even with this great tension. You know, I know there's people that would say to me, well, without judgment and condemnation, if you're saying, you know, what are you saying? Now, are you going to the other end of the extreme and just saying, well, let's just love everybody and nothing matters and there is no truth and, and you know, there is no right and wrong and it's find your truth. No, that's the other end of the extreme, everybody. See, we have a balancing scale 
on both sides. And one extreme is the law and it is religious spirit and it is this is right and this is wrong and this tiny little box is the only thing that works. And if you do not fit into my tiny little box, then you are a heretic, then you are not a Christian, then you don't serve the same God I do and you are not going to heaven. I mean, we're talking extremes here. And on the other end of the scale, we have the progressive Christianity where there really isn't any answers. We're all past lead to God where, you know, there's, there's, there's no right. There's no wrong. Find your truth. Truth is relative. Um, so, you know, let's just not judge at all. So as soon as people hear no judgment, they assume that that person is progressive Christianity, that that person is, is going into this liberal Christian viewpoint where there is no answer. And that is not true. Again, I feel like as Christians, we, we have actually, it's the same thing that has happened with the world. There is so much political minefields. It's like you have to be so incredibly cautious about what you talk about and what you say, because if you use certain terms, if you use certain words, you are automatically going to be pegged and placed and labeled as this is what you are. See, if I say judgment and condemnation and theology and doctrine and right and wrong, you're going to peg me over here as one of those people who has the answers for everything. And perhaps, I mean, maybe like so many of the world, you will look to me as, as the person that has all the answers when quite frankly, no one has all the answers except for Jesus Christ. On the flip side of things, if I say no judgment, no condemnation, that we are called as Christians to love and to be known by our love, which is the words of Jesus in the Bible, it's going to be very easy for people, especially the ones on the other side of the scale, to want to peg me over here with progressive Christianity. Therefore, I must be saying that. That is not true. So I feel like before we even get into this session, this episode, whatever this thing is, that it is important to define that we are not talking about either extreme. We are talking about how can we walk without compromise? How can we find the truth? Because there is one truth, but we are broken, fallen people who see in part, none of us sees the whole picture. And so we get pieces of this puzzle, pieces of this picture. None of us has all those answers. And so how can we be open to learning more and understanding more and not being prideful that we know everything while also not compromising what we stand for. See, this, I believe, is one of the most important things, whether you are a homeschool parent, whether you are not a homeschool parent, whether you're talking about your your just your relationship with God in general, or even walking out being a Christian in this day and age, if you do not have this figured out, then how are we supposed to teach our kids? How can we teach our children how to walk with integrity and conviction and and following what is right when the entire world around them is telling them that they're wrong or what is right? Everybody has a different opinion or definition on that from, by the way, reading the same Bible and the same words, and yet everybody is interpreting it differently and has different opinions and ideas and perspectives. How can we teach our children to walk forward confidently If we ourselves are not walking forward confidently, we are balancing on extremes, jumping from one side of the pendulum to the other, not knowing where we stand, not knowing what we believe in, and not knowing how to walk it out. 
This is paramount. This is bringing it right down to the very basics, to the most important thing. And if we're talking about what I feel like God has, which is like that, that, that word for today, that fresh word that we need to hear in our culture in this moment right now, it is this message. It is condemnation, judgment, and yet conviction and not compromising. And walking out a holy life of integrity as God calls us to walk out. So let's get into a little bit of scripture to start it off, shall we? Based on Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is such an important starting point, you guys. We are so quick to hop on the beginning of this. There's no condemnation. There you go. No condemnation. That's just that that's like the the basis of everything. But it goes on to say for those who are in Christ Jesus, you can parallel this with the John section where it's talking about the vine and the branches. And it's saying that that I am the vine, you are the branches. When you remain in me, then you are rooted and you can bear much fruit and on and on and on it goes. Being in Christ Jesus, that means being rooted in Jesus. That means having a relationship with Jesus. That means a spirit-filled life following Jesus. So we are not just talking about somebody who goes to church. We're not just talking about generalities of humanity. We're talking about for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. And I believe specifically, especially for this, we are talking about our condemnation. We're talking about the ultimate judgment, which goes back to the story of the woman. In John 8, there's a story where a woman is being stoned and Jesus, you know, goes up and sees this woman and people are getting ready to cast stones or casting stones at her. And and he says, let he who has no sin be the one to cast the first stone. And what's so amazing, I love this about Jesus, is he writes something in the dirt and and the scripture shows us that he does that, but it doesn't tell us what he said. (laughs) Who knows what he wrote, but how whatever it was, together with what he said, it had an impact. And it's very interesting because it says the older men left first and then the younger. So there was something about the zeal of the younger ones that maybe needed a bit more convincing. But the older ones, as soon as they saw what had been written, as soon as they heard that, he who has no sin, let him be the first one. Maybe he wrote someone's sin on the ground. I don't know. But at that moment, they began to walk away and slowly but surely all of her um, all of her accusers had left. And Jesus said to her, who now who's left? And she said, no one. And he said, neither do I condemn you. See, Jesus does not condemn us. John three seventeen says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So when we're talking about no condemnation specifically, we are definitely talking about the fact that Jesus Christ does not condemn us. When we are in Jesus, we are not condemned. And I mean, you can go back to the basics of salvation. We're talking about we're covered by the blood of Jesus. You know, the, the, that God looks at us and sees the blood of Jesus, that we are covered with his righteousness, clothed in his righteousness. Therefore, there is no condemnation. Why? Because we are in Christ Jesus. This is a foundational element of our faith. Now, 
I went through and did some some research specifically trying to understand the difference between judgment and condemnation. Now, I would say that these two words are probably misunderstood. I would say that they are used interchangeably, and I would say that they are not interchangeable words. Judgment specifically is talking about discerning. It is talking about evaluating. It is talking about weighing. It is talking about being able to see into the heart of a man or a situation and know what you are dealing with and and, and judge correctly. I judged. I determined. I ascertained. I discerned correctly. That is judgment. Condemnation is that next up. Condemnation is the penalty. It is the sentence. It is the punishment. So when we're talking about condemnation, we are talking about the guilty verdict, the gavel coming down, and this is your sentence. That is your condemnation. See, when we judge other people, we're saying, we know the heart. We see your heart. We see exactly the entire nuances of the situation. And we have determined that you are wrong. That's judgment. Now, when we begin to punish people for that, that's condemnation. We're going to call you out as a heretic. We're going to publicly disgrace you. We're going to shame you. What I'm talking about here, Christian cancel culture, which we're so quick as Christians to look at cancel culture, to talk about cancel culture. I mean, Christians are, you know, the the victims of cancel culture. Sure, absolutely. But quite frankly, I would say that Christians are the worst ones for cancel culture. We are the first ones to rip apart our own brothers and sisters in Christ, to judge and say that we know their heart and all their intentions and motivations and all of the nuances of that situation from a five second outward opinion or outward glance, let alone maybe we're reading someone's third, fourth, fifth, um, you know, perspective from somebody who heard from a friend of a friend of a friend who wrote it on a post who we don't even know who they are, how they connect to that. We take the tiniest little bit and we jump on it and we determine something about somebody making a judgment and then we proceed to condemn them. We do this through gossip and slander and, and ripping people apart and by making it our mission in life to bring them down. But that is not what Jesus came to do. When we're talking about God the Father, when we're talking about God our judge, we're talking about the only righteous judge, the only one who can judge rightly and see the heart of a man, not us. We do not see everything. We do not always see rightly or judge correctly. God is the ultimate judge. And, you know, even even scripturally, it says that his kindness leads us to repentance, I think sometimes we get this picture of God as this, you know, big, angry person up in the sky. And, and then sometimes we emulate that. And that comes from a broken view of our father because he is so kind. He is so loving. And it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, not fear of judgment. Not, I mean, it even says that, that there's no um, perfect love casts out fear perfect love casts out fear. So I don't know. We're talking about God is love. We're talking about, um, you know, this entire different picture than what we perceive. And I think sometimes when we're emulating this false perception of who God is or what judgment is or what condemnation is or what it means to be able to have a conviction, um, and, and believe what's right versus wrong, but how do we walk that out in a, in a way that that honors God, because there's a way to do it that honors God, and it's by following his nature and his character and his example, which is kindness and love. 
It's through our kindness and through our love. Bible says that they will know we are Christians by our love. I would argue that honestly, people don't know we're Christians by our love. That is not the first thing that people see when they look at Christians. I would say they look at us and they see judgment. They see critical. They see self-righteousness. They do not see love. See, there are some of you who, who have been judged. There are some of you, I believe, that have been judged. You have been condemned. You have been called out. You've maybe been unjustly judged like I have. Maybe you've had people who've said things about you and it's so frustrating because you you know that it's wrong and, and they're spreading these lies and there's nothing that you can do about it because because you can't defend yourself. People are going to say what they're going to say. In our culture, especially with, with online, with Facebook, with social media, with how easy it is to get on and become a keyboard warrior, a troll, uh, whatever you want to call it, okay? It is far too easy for people to just type out whatever they are thinking, unaware, not thinking of the consequences because they can't see the consequences. They're not seeing the fact that you're crying. They're not seeing the fact that that impacted you. They don't even see you as a person. They see you as a a nameless, faceless thing on the other side of the screen they have no personal connection with. And so it is so easy to cast the stones. It's so easy. Some of you have been judged. You've been condemned. You might've been unjustly um, had these things said about you and others of us. And I would say all of us can relate to this in one season of our life or another, or in, in one area or another, I would say as human beings, welcome to human nature. This is actually part of human nature. And it's something we have to battle against. It's something we have to actively battle against. We all fall prey to this. We all judge. We all have moments in our life where we are judging other people. We decide that we know what is right and what is wrong. We're discerning their heart. We're discerning the situation. We make a judgment about somebody and then we proceed to condemn them. Okay. You do this in small ways. I do this in small ways. We do this with our kids. We do this with their schoolwork. We do this with their chores. They come up to us. They show us something and we are the first people to be like, well, blah, 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 blah. Now there's teaching. But that's different than judgment. And there are absolutely, for myself, I will say, absolutely times in my life that I have judged my kids. I've condemned them. You want to know who I judge and condemn more than my kids, though? My spouse. Absolutely, I have judged and condemned my spouse. I am his his first and foremost, I would say, judge. I am the person who sees, and because I do know him so well, I see things and I'm the first one to jump on it and say, uh, uh, uh. One of the things Jonathan and I have talked about quite a bit is that we are not Holy Spirit in each other's lives. And and while we're going to see things, while we're going to recognize things, and there's going to be moments where we can talk about those and help one another grow, the reality is is that when it comes to ultimately um, convicting us, that's Holy Spirit's job, not our spouse's job. And so over and over in our marriage, we've had ample opportunities to practice this and to learn this lesson because it's so easy It's so easy. It's easy to judge from a distance, not fully understanding the whole situation you see in part and you think you know. It's also so easy to judge when you are close to somebody. When you know too much, you are always there. You're highly aware of what's going on and it becomes easier and easier to form your judgments and have your opinions about what is right and what is wrong about that person. So, taking it all back, what does this actually mean? 
I mean, we, we yeah, okay, and with our families and our spouses, let's try not to be as judgmental and whatever else. But when we're talking about, what about when we're talking about theology? We're talking about doctrine. We're talking about right and wrong. We're talking about scripture. We're talking about things that really matter to us. And so to say that we're not supposed to judge, well, what does that mean? We just stay quiet and let our friends, our family, people we care about um, make poor decisions or do things that they shouldn't? I believe no. That's not being a friend. That's not being um, That's not being somebody who cares for somebody because truly caring for somebody is to say, hey, I see this in your life and I'm concerned. But we have a gap. We have a big, big problem. We in our culture today do not actually walk in community close enough with people. We do not have true discipleship and mentorship happening on an ongoing basis that we actually have put ourselves in a position to receive from somebody or has somebody else put them in a position to receive from us. See, back in the early church, there were apostles who were over top of churches, who were over top of, there was, there was multiple people with multiple gifts, multiple people in leadership that were in charge. They carried the burden of leadership together. They would discern together. They would lead together. And over top of them, they had people like the disciples, the apostles who were speaking into their lives and giving them wisdom. And they had put themselves in a position of receiving from them in the same way other people would put themselves in positions underneath them to receive from them. And we have this ongoing stair-stepping model where you have people that have given you permission to speak into their lives at the same time as you have given people permission to speak into yours. This is how we stay humble. This is how we we stay open. And this is how we have the opportunity to speak into someone's lives. Now, because of this, I have much more of an opportunity to speak into my children's lives. Why? Because God gave me that opportunity. God placed them in my care and said, raise them up in the way they should go. Now, if I do it all based on what I think is right, if I do it all based on some self-righteous judgments that I know all of the answers, I'm going to have a really hard time in my parenting journey. If instead I submit to Holy Spirit and I say, you know what, I don't have all of the answers. I don't know everything. I am not going to judge every situation correctly. I'm going to be tired. There's going to be moments my kids are going to come up to me and I'm not going to know, you know, all the nuances of the situation and and I'm going to judge wrong. I do it all the time. I judge wrong all the time. Sometimes I'm just too lazy to truly find out the whole story because it's so convoluted and irritating and everybody's whining and it's like, oh my goodness, everybody go to your rooms. Anyone? No? Okay. Um, the point is, is that I am going to judge incorrectly because I am not the righteous judge. So instead I can go to Holy Spirit and I can say, I need your help. Holy Spirit, will you help me? Will you give me discernment so that I can discern correctly? Will you show me, you know, what what even good punishments would be? What will speak to my kids? How can I get through to them? Is it a conversation? Is it is it not going to youth? Is it what is it that's going to reach them because I am at a loss right now. I'm not seeing the full picture and I need your help. I need discernment. See, that's a humility and also the relationship that I have with my kids and the position that they are in as my children gives me the right to speak into their lives. But I still, as a Christian, as a daughter of God, do not have a right to make my own determinations in my own flesh, in my own self-righteousness, according to the law, according to the tree of knowledge of good and evil and how knowledgeable my brain is and what I know, I do not have the right to go and judge and make 
answers and, and decisions for my children and just steer their lives. I don't. Instead, as a Christian who has the Holy Spirit and is not under the law, but is now under the freedom that Holy Spirit brings, I am now a new creation in Christ. I have actually an obligation to be rooted in him, to seek him for the fruit that comes in my life, and to actually bear fruit based out of relationship ongoing step-by-step with Jesus Christ, with Holy Spirit. I have a responsibility to reach out to him and to ask him, not in my own strength, but in his, what do I do in this situation? This applies whether we're talking about our children, whether we're talking about our friends, whether we're talking about people in our churches, whether we're talking about strangers. First and foremost, are we judging based on our own knowledge and our own information in our head and our own, out of our own righteousness, or are we judging and discerning based off of Holy Spirit and submitting things, all things to him and asking him to guide and lead and direct us, even in our thoughts, especially, especially, especially in our thoughts. Matthew 7, 1 says, judge not lest you be judged. Luke six thirty seven says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. James 4.12 says there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? You know, when it comes to judging others in the same way that we are going to be judged, I find it so interesting that, that we have these opportunities in front of us. We have these opportunities all the time to make decisions. And God does tell us, he does tell us to discern. He tells us to discern rightly, to, to judge things with his word, to, to observe and to know and to follow the path that we should take. So how do we do that? How do we walk out our Christian walk without compromising while also, while also loving others and realizing that we do not know everything? This is it. And this is where I feel like sometimes we, we go to these opposite ends of the pendulum. You, th- you think of a balancing s- scale, right? You've got your two arms of it. But in the middle, you have that pin. In that middle, you have the fulcrum. In that middle, you have this one thing that everything is balancing on. In the same way, you've got a gymnast and they're walking on a, on a balance beam, right? In the same way, that's where we're supposed to walk. The straight and narrow is actually very, very narrow, and that, that I think I sometimes picture that as when we're talking about, you know, we have all the answers and these, these two sides way out here on the far left and the far right and what everybody believes. And, but, but in the middle is this tentative thing where, where we're going to kind of balance on and we're going to realize that there's benefits to the thinking that's over here and there's benefits to the thinking that's over here, but they're both really, really intense. So we're going to pull it back and we're going to learn how to discern I actually think that probably the biggest thing when it comes to teaching our kids, when it talks to walking it out, is rather than thinking that we have all the answers, realizing with humility that we do not. What is theology? It's our understanding of God. Go back and look at theology back in the early church. Look at theology back um, through the Middle Ages. Look at theology and what the church did all the way through the Middle Ages. 
continue that into the great, you know, the Reformation and everything that happened there. Look at the the breaks and divisions that happened in the church and even have continued to happen in the church once, you know, the church continued to grow and split and, and separatist and all of the things. I mean, if you look at the entire history of it, there's been a lot of changes in understanding definition, theology, doctrine, what all of that means. When you get past the, okay, Jesus is the son of God, the Trinity, some of those basic foundations and tenets of our faith, when you get past those things, we're talking about so many nuances, understanding of things, and quite frankly, we don't have all the answers. We can't see and understand all of God and who he is in his greatness, in his majesty, in his awe. And to say that we can is so prideful. It is so wrong to say that this box that we've put God in is correct and everything else is wrong because how do we know? How do we know that everything, we know everything about God? That is such a pompous statement to make. That is such a a prideful belief system to have. And I look at it, I see it, you guys, I see it. I hear it on the radio. I hear it from one side to the other side. I hear these extreme opinions that basically say, if you say this, if you do this, if you, and we're not talking about the basic tenets of our faith. We're not talking about those things that are, is Jesus the son of God? Is he fully God and fully man? The Trinity, we're not talking about those. We are talking about interpreting verses and 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 do the gifts of the spirit happen today we are talking about about our interpretation of scripture okay and and i've seen it over and over and over again where people are getting up they're getting up on soapboxes and they're saying this is wrong and basically if you do not believe everything i do and say everything i say and exactly follow me then you are not a biblical christian and that is so concerning to me you know, you go read some statements of faith. You want to know who you're following? You go read some statements of faith and you start understanding what people actually believe. You start understanding what they're actually saying behind the scenes. You start understanding what they're actually believing and judging and condemning about other Christians, about brothers and sisters in Christ. You start looking a little bit deeper and seeing, hey, this person that wrote this book, that wrote this study, that that wrote this curriculum, that wrote this devotional, that is this great speaker, what do they actually believe? What are they proponents of? And are they condemning and ripping people apart, not based on these, these main tenets, core tenets of our belief, the, the Nicene Creed, but actually, actually based on, on, on interpretation of a scripture, even as far as, oh my goodness, I've seen it with, with what Bible do you read? What Bible do you read? Oh, well, you read that Bible. That's not, you know, the one that is correct. Therefore, you're not a biblical Christian. What? It's concerning. And for us as Christians to say, first of all, to not be aware of it is a problem. We have to be aware of it. You need to understand progressive Christianity. You also need to understand the other side of it, the legalism, the religious spirit, the absolute bound by law and theology, and this is the only way and everything else is heresy. You need to understand that. You need to see the dangers in that. Yes, we don't want absolute nothing matters. There is no truth freedom, but we also do not want to have this this legalistic, religious, closed-minded, prideful view that we have all the answers. We know everything about God. Nothing new exists. My goodness, we could spend our entire lives learning and studying God. We could spend all of humanity's entire lives collectively learning and understanding God and still never see the full picture because he is so much bigger. He is so much bigger. 
Why can we not be okay with having some questions and some mystery and just saying, I don't fully understand it because God is bigger than I am. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that he is bigger. I'm okay with the fact that there are some things that that I just can't wrap my head around, but he's still God. He's still good. He's still faithful. I still follow him and I'm going to stay rooted in him. And I'm going to ask for more and more discernment and revelation and understanding as I walk in relationship in Jesus Christ. Not having just said a prayer one time, gone to church, living a good life and and walking it out, but actually, actually in a relationship, in a relationship with Jesus Christ. This, you guys, this is so important. We're talking about the foundation. We're talking about the beginning. And right now, if you go on and you look at pretty much anyone, anyone, you can start to hear this rolling off of people's lips. You can start to hear the, the judgments of people's hearts. And, and what they're saying may not even be wrong, but the way they're saying it or what they're doing or how they are, are heaping condemnation on other brothers and sisters in their, their righteous need to make this right, it's concerning. I'm concerned. I'm concerned with what I'm seeing. I'm concerned with the world that my kids are growing up in. And I am determined that I'm going to raise them up to be able to say, this is right. This is wrong. And when you're not sure, because my kids are going to say that to me, I don't know. I mean, this clearly isn't in the Bible. I mean, the Bible doesn't talk about this specific instance. So how do I know in that case? Well, here's the exciting thing, kids is that when Jesus left, when he died and rose again and went to heaven, he sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, who would teach us all things. He sent the Holy Spirit to reveal, to convict, to teach, to guide, to direct. He sent the Holy Spirit to equip us. And so now, because we have Holy Spirit, we aren't doing this on our own. It's not this dry faith where we read a book, we go to church, we go through the motions. No, it's a real vibrant relationship with God where he speaks to us here and now today, where he moves in our life and directs us, where when we aren't sure, we can pray and we can ask him and we can seek him and he will give us a specific word for right now that is going to give us that direction that we need. This is what I want to teach my kids. This is how we do that. We teach them that there are answers in God's word. And when we are not sure, when we can't figure out how we discern this or, or, you know, there's three different people who wrote different interpretations of this verse, which one does it mean? See, we can go to Holy Spirit and we can ask him. If we don't have discernment and if we don't teach our kids discernment, they're going to be, they're going to be reeds, grass, whatever, blowing in the wind. And this is our culture. This is, I would say, over half of the people that I know that profess Christianity, over half are are just blowing in the wind. One day they're way over here on the far, far left and they're, you know, saying things about, and the next day they're way over there. You see somebody, they're this great blogger, this great speaker, this this author, and, and one day they're saying all the right things and doing the right things. And then all of a sudden they come out with, you know, I believe this or, and boom, they're all way over here. And then you, you watch somebody else and, 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 and they feel like, you know, you, a, a great worship leader or whatever. And all of a sudden, boom, they're way over there and they're judging and condemning and, 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 and calling people out. We're, we're reeds. We're just blowing. 
We don't know. We haven't learned how to discern. We don't have that personal, vibrant relationship with God that is guiding and directing us, being rooted in him, being rooted in his word, being rooted in the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit with everything that we're doing, submitting all things to him, walking with humility, open to what he has to teach us. And so because of that, we just listen to whatever we see. We read an article. Oh, that sounds good. Now I believe that. Somebody says this sermon, oh, that sounds good. Now I believe that. Oh, because the pastor said it. Oh, because the speaker said it. Oh, because I heard this podcast. Oh, because I read this. You guys, if we do not have discernment, if we aren't actually walking in, and if you say, I can't, I don't have this discernment. I, I have never had a relationship with God like that, where I have been able to, to just walk out my faith and, and actually have this like hearing God's voice. I don't know what you're talking about. That's so foreign to me. I mean, I, I read my Bible, I go to church and whatever, then I, I, will so, I will say, you are missing something. You are missing something because there is more. There is so much more. It is not a dry, boring, dull faith. If your kids are listening to this right now, you want to know why our kids are leaving the church this is what they say. Oh, have you heard about the crisis? The crisis, Christian kids, I mean, they're growing up in these great Christian homes. They're going to church, but then when they become teenagers, when they become young adults, when they go to college and university, they just, they walk away. We're losing them. We're losing our kids. Did we have them to begin with? I've said this before. I will say this again. I will say this my entire life through. Did we have our kids to begin with? And that isn't something that you necessarily do. That's something God does. But how it starts, the the kindling for it is they're going to watch that in your life. They're going to be looking for it in your life. And if your kids are listening to this right now, I'm going to say to you, if you do not have that personal, vibrant relationship with God, if it is dry, if it is dull, if it is boring, if you're just opening scripture, reading it because your parents told you you should, going to church, listening to a sermon and, and trying to live a good life, but you don't actually know what Jesus' voice sounds like, if you have not heard him speak to you and give you that real living direction for right now, if you don't walk in that exciting, it is so exciting to have a personal relationship with God. I can tell you, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I literally don't know what tomorrow will bring because I walk in constant expectation and constant submitting. When I'm going to meetings or or doing things, I wake up and I say, God, you do what you will do today. Show me, guide me, direct me, lead me to conversations, open doors, shut doors. This is your day that you have made. And I'm just going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm telling you, you guys, it is exciting. And if you don't have that, you're missing. You're missing out. And you will be, like so many others, reeds being blown in the wind because you don't actually have that discernment. You're not actually following Holy Spirit in your life to lead you and guide you and direct you so that you will know the way you should go. It's been a a preach, guys. It's been a real preach. So I'm going to wrap it up. (laughs) Condemnation and judgment. How can we walk in conviction and knowing what we believe? We're going to study. We're going to learn. We're going to read God's word. We're going to know what his word says. We are going to be open to understanding the fact that God is so much bigger than any one of us could ever understand. We're going to ask God to break down the walls and the boxes that we've tried to put him in of our our interpretation of this is what it is. This is who you are. And this is exactly what a Christian walk is supposed to look like. And we're going to be open to what God has for us. We're going to not listen to everybody else around us. We're going to, okay, we'll take it with a grain of salt, 
but we're going to start actually growing up and having solid food where we are seeking God's voice for our lives. Not everybody else's, but God's voice for our lives. We are going to ask him to speak to us, to reveal things to us, to show things to us and let him be our ultimate teacher. Let him be our ultimate guide. Let God's word, both spoken and written, be what we are determining, what we believe be based off of. That being the guide, that being the tether, that being the ultimate fulcrum point of our balancing beam of what we're walking, you guys. That is how we do it. There is right, there is wrong. There is one truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the way and he is the life. It is possible to be found, but we have to seek it. We have to discern it. And we cannot do that on our own because we are merely people. We're merely people. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person that that sat through this podcast. Father, I pray that whoever was here that needed to hear this, God, that you will just use whatever you're going to use from this, whether you want us to to, to recognize and even repent of areas in our lives that we've been judging, critical, or condemning others. God, I just pray that even for our own sakes, Father, that you will have mercy on us for judging and condemning others, and that you will teach us how to judge not so that we won't be judged, that you will teach us how to forgive others so that we will be forgiven, that you will teach us how to not condemn and rip people apart so that we are not condemned. God, I pray that you will guide and direct us. For those of us that are, are listening today that maybe just don't feel like we have that personal vibrant relationship with you. God, I pray that you will draw us in. I pray that for anybody listening today that thought, I want that. Father, I pray that you would draw them in. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them as only you can do. You are the great revealer. You open our eyes. I pray that the scales would be removed from their eyes. I pray you would speak to them and they would hear your voice, that you would raise up a generation and a people. You say, my sheep hear my voice. I pray that we would learn to hear your voice. Give us discernment, Father, and give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you are doing so that we're not going to miss it. And would you allow us to be humble enough to grow and learn and teach us how to be rooted in you for all of our days. Thank you for who you are, God, and thank you for what you are doing, not just in our life, but in your entire body which right now is so fractured and so divided and, and, and really pitted against one another, but it's still your body. It might be broken, but it's your body, your bride, God. And so I thank you for every single brother and sister, and I pray that you would bring more revelation and healing within your church and the factions and divisions that exist, God. And I pray that you would begin to teach your entire body how to how to believe and walk in what you are showing us, but also to walk with humility and to be um, open that you you have so much more to reveal to us than even what we know today. So thank you for that in your name. Amen. I do want to give you a preface for next week. What already I feel like this leads into when we're talking about ultimately, and that's that gap I was talking about. We want to speak into other people's lives, but in order to do that, we have to have that relationship, right? Like we do with our kids. Next week, I want to talk about um, 
my, my session title was something like, where are the mothers? But next week I want to talk about godly, essentially discipleship. And I think this huge gap, this break that we have and, and my processing of it in that I don't even think we know how to do that anymore. So next week we're going to talk about discipleship and then who knows, maybe we'll do something light and fun and talk about parenting and, and I'll vent. I don't know. I don't know what these will bring, but I do know that today this was what God laid on my heart. It was literally my devotions and now you got to do devotions with me. So to God be the glory and may he do what only he can do with this. And I bless you guys to have an amazing rest of your week. Talk to you later.